God bless you. I'm so grateful to be back here with you this morning. Uh, uh, our our uh, lead pastor, David Cumby, is healing and recovering, and so we continue to lift him and his family up in prayer. Um, he could not be here, but he's doing well, and he's praying for us even now. I've been in communication with him this morning, and he's watching. So, David, we love you. We're praying for you. And as we were praying this morning, I was thinking, Lord, thank you for giving us a shepherd that we feel we feel loved by God through our pastor, David. Amen. And it's, so, it's such a blessing to have he, he and Langley and their family leading us, and we follow them as, as they follow Christ. But not, not, not only, David, we also are part of a, a, a network of churches called the Anglican, Anglican Church in North America, and we're in a region called the Diocese of the Western Gulf Coast, um, and our diocese is led by a bishop, and our bishop, who has uh, introduced himself and greeted himself this morning, is here with us, and he's brought his lovely bride, Mrs. Tricia, and we're grateful to have you here this morning, worship, and we praise God for them. Amen? We, amen. Well, David was going to start a series in Romans, but um, because he's recovering uh, this morning, we're going to do a standalone message from the gospel according to Mark that I read to you this morning. And, and, and I want to ask you a question, as I always do. Have you ever felt spiritually inadequate? Or have you ever felt like a spiritual failure. Maybe you've said to yourself, I need to read the Bible more. And we always do that at the beginning of the year. I mean, I've been preaching almost 30 years and I always start and something comes in and interrupts me. I need to read the Bible more or I need to make more time for fasting and praying. I need to get more serious about my personal devotion and spiritual formation. This morning, you know I just have one point. My one point that you would want to remember is that, that we can do all of those things, and they are good things, but the reality is our life doesn't depend on our faithfulness to God, but God's faithfulness to us. That's, that's what I want you to remember this week when you, you may be guilt-tripping about not doing something or doing something or, or loving your neighbor or not loving your neighbor right or the motive. Your life does not depend on your faith. It depends on God's faithfulness. Jesus' disciples are traveling across the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake, when suddenly, the Bible says, out of nowhere, a violent storm hits and threatens to destroy the boat and them in it. And all the, all, all the while, the wind is blowing, the boat rocking and water crashing, and Jesus manages to stay asleep on a cushion. Now think of all the worries that might have kept Jesus awake. 
He could worry about the religious and political leaders who are plotting against him. He could worry about his family who, he, who thought he was crazy. He could worry about the overwhelming crowds with their overwhelming needs. He could worry about the disciples he had chosen knowing that Judas would betray him and Peter would deny him not once, not twice, but three times and cuss a girl out about it. He could worry about the future because he knew his destiny. But with all the things to worry about, Jesus wasn't worried. He slept. And this is the only, only place in the scriptures where we read where G, we knew he got some sleep because he was, although he's all God, you know, hypostatic union, big word, uh, not the sticking of your stocks together after they get out of the dryer. Hypostatic union. He's all God and all man simultaneously. So he got tired and he's asleep in a rocking boat. Now, if any of you have been on a cruise, I have for the first time. I, I, I brought everything I needed in case I got a little squeamish because I'm a land creature. But when I got into that cabin, it was so dark and quiet, I fell asleep. And I don't know if I've gotten that kind of sleep since I was in my mom's arms. Jesus is asleep. And they wake him up scared and panicked with a mild rebuke. Teacher! Rabbi! Do you care that we are perishing? He, in turn, you know what the story says. He rebukes the wind with two words. It's three in English, but it's two in Aramaic. Peace, be still. In, in, in Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke, it, it, he's really saying, uh, peace, submit to the will of God. This, this, this is, this, I don't want us to miss this because the same terminology Jesus uses here, he, rebu he used this same terminology to rebuke demons. Because what's happening in this text is a spiritual battle as much as a weather crisis. Jesus addressed the raging storm as a force threatening him and his disciples. And the force of the sea was muzzled at the, the subduing of the sovereign word of Jesus' disciples. At his word. That same word that we pick up in Genesis 1 where Moses writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in the beginning God, God said. And that's the recurring theme in Genesis 1 because what Moses is doing is setting us up for Genesis 2 and 3. God said, God said, God said. He's establishing the authority of God's word, the power of God's word. 
When I was growing up, there was this commercial, you may have heard it, I'm dating myself, uh, E.F. Hutton. Don't, don't nod because you'll be saying, you know, I'm old too. <laughs> and E.F. E. Hutton's tagline was when E.F. E. Hutton speaks, you know it, come on, people listen. That's the same authority, but, but, but on a supernatural level that God in Jesus Christ demonstrates here in Mark that when he speaks, everything listens. It, it, it's further interesting that it is believed that this gale of wind and ferocious tempest was actually demonic in nature. As Jesus was about to confront a powerful principality on the other side of the lake in Mark chapter 5. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus would not have rebuked the storm if it was from God. Because here's what we need to know. The devil knew that if Jesus crossed to the other side, he would cast out the pack of demons that had long terrorized the, the region on the Gentile side of the lake. Mark writes that it went from a mega storm to a mega calm. Then Jesus, Jesus turns from rebuking the storm and turns to rebuke the disciples. He asked, why are you afraid like this? Don't you have any faith? Uh, 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 another uh, 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 version says, uh, uh, how can you be so afraid, so scared? The, the Greek word is phobos. There are two different words for fear in this passage. The first one is phobos, where we get phobia. How can you be, he's really, Jesus is saying, how, how come you're acting like Cowards. Listen to Jesus. You're cowards. After all you've seen, where is your faith? Let me park there parenthetically. That's a black preacher thing. Let me hang out there homiletically. Because after everything you've seen God do in your life, where is your faith? They had been with Jesus since he set out after his baptism and temptation in the wilderness long enough listening to him teach and watching him heal all kinds of sick people and cast out demons. But to know that he could control nature was a different story. They had everything necessary to believe, but they didn't believe. After all that you have seen God do in your life and in the lives of those around you, where is your faith? You. I 
I'm asking you that. God is asking you that this morning. After God has opened doors, after God has healed, after God has delivered, after God has restored, after God has forgiven, after God has regenerated, after God has put the broken pieces of the life you threw down and shattered back together, after you've seen God do the impossible, where is your faith? Where is your faith? We've got everything necessary to believe, just like the disciples. Everything. You know what? There's a song in my culture, in the black church, if God doesn't do anything else, he's already done enough. He's already done enough. He's already done enough. Where is your faith? To begin with, three things. They had Jesus' promise, Jesus' presence, Jesus' peace. First is promise. They were indeed going to the other side. Jesus said it in verse, from the jump, from, from, from 21 Jump Street. You know, he said, he said, hey, I watch a lot of TV, amen. <laughs> Don't hate, amen. In verse 35, Jesus says, here, here it is. He says from the outset, eight words in the English, uh, English Standard Version, maybe a little more depending on what version you're reading. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. And, and just, like, just, like, just, like, just like they missed it, we miss it. Jesus says, Jesus says, let us go across to the other side. This wasn't a, listen, this wasn't a bad situation that they'd gotten themselves into, you remember. Like Jonah, you remember, was running away from God. This was Jesus' idea. <laughs> he, 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 listen, listen, Jesus invites them. They didn't even really need to use a boat to go from the west side to the east side. They could have taken ground travel. Yet, here's the thing we need to know. We will never learn who God is if we don't trust his word. And this is, this is something I, I know I learned because I listen to a lot of preaching. I read a lot of lectures. Every Christian, you and me, in this room, I don't know many uh, that don't, every Christian wants to see a miracle. But, but, but here's the other side. But don't want to be in a position where they need a miracle. <laughs> we have the assurance of God's word. Isaiah oh, says... For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Listen, what Jesus did not promise was an easy trip, but he does promise a guaranteed arrival to your destination. That's what he promises. Your marriage isn't going to be an easy trip. Raising your children, uh, those of you who are expecting and those of you who have, whether, whether they were born from you or adopted, it's not going to be an easy trip. God doesn't promise us that. But he does promise us that we will arrive safely to our destination. 
They had Jesus' promise. That's what you and I have. But not only that, they had Jesus' presence. They had already seen his power demonstrated in his miracles, so they should have complete confidence that he, would, that he could handle the situation. Yet for some reason, lack of faith, they had not fully realized who Jesus was. They, listen, they were spiritually blind to the reality that in their boat was God in the person of Jesus Christ. They hadn't recognized it. They hadn't realized it, that this is God in the boat. This is the creator of the ends of the earth in the boat. This is not just another prophet, though Jesus was. This ain't some miracle man, though Jesus is. This is God in the boat. They were spiritually blind to the reality that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, listen, and you know what? You know what? These are are Hebrew men. They grew up singing the Psalter. They knew Psalm 23 and 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are, come on Sunday school, with me. They knew that. They knew Psalm 46. Uh, 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 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. They sing these songs. They knew them. God's covenant promise to his people is his presence. Even when you're lonely, you're not alone. God, for the believer, you know, the, old, the, 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 the uh, believers in the Old Testament, uh, they, they long, they're probably a little jealous at what we have. We not only, we not only uh, 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 have God's presence with us, but we have God's presence in us. This is, this is his promise. God, listen, God promises the peace that surpasses all understanding. And let me tell you, the peace that surpasses all understanding isn't always God delivering you from the storm. Sometimes it's his peace that surpasses all understanding. It's his presence with you in the storm. They They had his promise, they had his presence, but they had perfect peace. Jesus was in God's will. The disciples were in God's will. They had obediently followed Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that the Father would take care of him, so he took a nap. He was tired. Unlike Jonah, who was sleeping with a false sense of security, Jesus rested. He was physically tired from teaching all day, so he said, on the way way across, I'm going to sleep. He goes to sleep. Jesus went to sleep because he was completely secure in God's will. 
And the disciples should have known that God would not allow the Messiah to perish in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. Because the story of Jesus could not possibly end with him drowning in a boat accident on the Sea of Galilee. That's not, that's not, that's not how it was written. It, listen, 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 listen to what Jesus says in, in John 14, 27 to us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So watch it. He says, so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But, 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 but I'm done. In spite of their failure, the abundance of presence of fear and the complete absence of faith, Jesus calmed the storm with a word. But the disciples still feared. In fact, the Greek in verse 41, it says they feared a great fear. <laughs> but that, that word fear in verse 41 is different. It's, it's, it, it, it's like it would be kind of equal to our word awe. They, now they're cowards in, in, and then now they're in awe. But they still feared. A friendly, familiar, human Jesus they wanted, but not a supernatural son of God. And that's what culture wants. They want a friendly, familiar Jesus that loves everybody and accepts you the way you are. But they don't want God the son. And that's who we need. This story is written to remind us of Jonah, another prophet who, just like Jesus, was heading into Gentile territory because the Sea of Galilee separated Jew and Gentile. Both Jesus and Jonah slept in the storm. Both were awakened by scared sailors who asked, don't you care? And the phrase, the wind ceased and there was a great calm, is the exact same phrase we read in Jonah 1. When, when, when he was thrown into the sea, Jonah calmed the storm by jumping into the water. Jesus calms the storm by speaking to it. Because Jesus is the true and better Jonah. Jesus created the wind and the water and they obey him because they know the voice of their creator. How often in the trials of life have we like these first fearful, faithless, fickle disciples? How many times have, have you asked, Lord, where are you? Lord, why me? Why us? Lord, do you care? And the answer to their question, it, Jesus gets up, his, 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 his dissension and incarnation is the proof 
that God cares about you. He cares. Just like he arose from the sleep of death, defeating it and hell and the grave, he still speaks the word of peace that we so desperately need. And here's the good news. For us, and we need to hear this, that although we are spiritually inadequate, and more often than we like to admit, we have no faith. The good news is our deliverance has nothing to do with the adequacy of our faith, but in the security that resides in Jesus, who is Lord of the storm and who silences the roaring of the waves and the tumult of the people. Life does not depend on whether you have enough faith or not. I like what Paul writes to Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 13, he says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. I, I want to I take some, some privileges. I want to I I strike that possibility. I, I, if. I, I want to I I write when we are faithless. He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. This is what you need to hear this week. That your life, going, coming, parenting, marriage, work, career, whatever you're doing, your life does not depend on your faith or your faithfulness. Because we all fall short. It depends on God's faithfulness. And thank God for his faithfulness. That's, that's why the, the, the hymn writer, he just couldn't keep it to himself. He wrote, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, our Father. Oh, what a faithfulness. Then he, then he came, came, he said, all I have needed, your hands have provided. I was a baby, I didn't even know who I was. His hand knew what I needed and he provided it. When I was young and ignorant and stupid and selfish and thought I knew everything, and living dangerously and on the edge, all that I needed, protection from my own self, all that I needed, God's hand hath provided. The good news, God has not changed. The good news is you can have faith, 
But thank God when you don't, it doesn't depend on whether you have faith. Because if I took a poll, all of us could raise up two hands and, and, and tell the truth honestly that I have not believed in a true and faithful God, but God is still faithful. Thank God. Let's pray.